I told uh, Abby and Becca, actually, uh, before tonight, well, I told Becca, like, maybe 30 minutes ago, I told Abby pretty much after it happened, that I like to stretch the youth kids. I like to stretch them and get them out of their comfort zones and ask them to step outside their box. Becca can attest to this because she's worked with me the longest. <laughs> but Abby, Abby as a youth has experienced this as well. Well, pastor told me at like uh, 2.30 that I was doing this. Surprise! <laughs> and so I told them, you know, I live what I ask them to do. I don't just ask them to do things because I think it'll be fun to see them step out of their comfort zones. I live what I ask them to do. We're called to live what we speak. We're called to live the word. We're called to be who we say that we are. And so thank you for allowing me to do this. And praise Jesus, I didn't cry when pastor was talking. The whole time, George has said for the entirety that I know him, that if you stand here and like spell out words like Y-E-L-L-O-W-B-L, it'll keep you from crying. It doesn't work. He says it works. It doesn't. So I just, I just kind of zone. I'm going to go back and re-listen. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, pastor uh, had asked me, well, he told me about a year ago that sometime I would be speaking and to get ready. The Lord has called us all to do things, and he says get ready for him. Get ready for them. Get ready for them. Get ready for them. Get ready for them. And so a year ago, I thought I knew what I was talking about. I didn't. And then pastor asked me a few months ago, type up your notes. I did that. We're not going to touch them. It's going to be great. <laughs> but I got ready. I got ready. I got ready. I may not have been perfect at it, but I sought it out, and I got ready, and I got ready, and I got ready. And tonight, what the Lord, I believe, has asked me to share upon is fixing our eyes, fixing our eyes, fixing our eyes, fixing our eyes. All of us have a goal. All of us have a dream. All of us. I'm and I know I mentioned it this morning in prayer, but I know Justin has a dream of, with airplanes. And I'm not going to go into it because it's not my dream, but I know Justin has a dream and a goal. I have a dream and a goal. George has a dream and a goal, and I'm not trying to be Martin Luther King up here. But, like, all of us have dreams and goals. All of us do. All of us. The Lord's placed them inside of us. But it's up to us whether or not they come to pass. You know, the, the Lord has placed a dream in us, but it's our decision, our dedication, our determination to see it come to pass that makes it happen. It doesn't just happen because. Think of Joseph. God gave him a dream. You know, he saw, he saw the sun and the moon and the stars bowing before him. He saw, he saw the Thank you. The haystacks. Thanks, Bells. I was seeing the visual that I teach Luke with. It's probably not great that I don't remember the word, but it's awesome. He had dreams of these things bowing before him. The Lord showed him what was to come. He showed him what was about to take place. He showed it to him. Joseph didn't know what that meant. He had no clue what that meant. And so in his naivety, he walks up to his brothers and goes, hey, guess what? I had a dream that you bow to me. Ha, 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 ha. And his brothers wanted to fix, like, beat his butt. And they did. Joseph had a dream. And God gave it to him. 
And see, he may not have been the wisest with it at the beginning, but he didn't know. He didn't know any better. He didn't know his brothers weren't safe people to talk to. He didn't know he needed to cherish that dream like Mary did and keep it in her heart and ponder on it. He didn't know. So he shared it. He shouldn't have shared it, probably. But he shared it. And because he shared it and his brothers had hatred in their hearts and anger in their hearts, they threw him into that den. They sold him off. He becomes a slave. He's a slave. He still has this dream. How many of us have been slaves before? How many of us have been in bondage before? How many of us have been in this crummy looking situation before and still have a dream? You know, how many of us have let life beat us up, beat our tail, steal stuff from us? How many of us have let our feelings just mount more junk onto ourselves, but we still have a dream? Joseph had a dream. He's a slave. God promotes him. He's in charge of Pharaoh's whole house. He, this dream, he may not even have remembered it at that moment, but this dream, it's coming, it's still alive, it's still alive, it's still alive. Satan comes in. I'm going to steal from this. I don't like that Joseph is prospering. I don't like that this is happening. I'm going to steal. So Potiphar's wife comes. Mm, boy, you look fine. Let's, let's, let's have ourselves some fun while my husband's out of town. Joseph runs. He runs from sin. He runs. He runs. He runs. But the accusation came. The accusation came. You know what he did to me? You, you, know what, you know what your servant did to me? Joseph gets thrown in jail. We all know the story, but I promise I'm going somewhere. The youth are probably counting how many bunny trails I'm about to take, but it's going to be great. He's in jail. He gets promoted in jail. He's in front of all the he's in charge of all of the jailed people, all of them, all the prisoners under Joseph's control, all of them. Somebody comes in, a prisoner comes in that has a, that's also has had a dream. Joseph interprets the dream. Two of them. One's good, one's not. One dies, one doesn't. So, the one who doesn't die goes back to the king. Joseph says, "Remember me." He has this dream. Joseph has the dream. The sun, the moon, and the stars will bow to me. I don't know what it means, but it's alive. It's real. I'm in jail, but it's real. I'm, I'm stuck, but it's real. I don't know how God's going to make a way, but this dream happened. I know it's God. I know it's God. I know it's God. Months pass. Month passes. Month passes. Month passes. Month passes. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. And he calls Joseph. This captive prisoner who was a slave, who got beat up by his brothers, sold, foreign country, not native there, doesn't live there at all. Joseph has been faithful to the Lord this whole time. This whole time he was faithful. He was faithful. He was faithful. When he was a slave, he was faithful to the Lord. When he was a prisoner, he was faithful to the Lord. He never gave up on God. He didn't sit there in his muck in the prison cell going, how did this happen to me? How on earth could this have happened? God, how did you let this happen? I was supposed to be bowed to. I was supposed to be worshipped. You gave me that dream and you took it away. No, the whole time he was faithful to the Lord. God loves me. God will protect me. God has me. I'm God's. He goes before Pharaoh. And as Pharaoh listens to Joseph interpret the dream, Pharaoh immediately promotes him. You're the second in command of the whole country. The whole country. The whole country. 
all of a sudden, Joseph has people bowing to him because that's what they did back then. You have a dream. And it doesn't matter what path life has taken you on and you've allowed yourself to go down. Your dream is not dead. No matter what has happened in your life, your dream is alive. It's alive. The calling of God on you is alive. It's not gone. It's not lost. It's not dead. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It doesn't matter what your life has looked like. It does not matter what things have happened to you in the past. What I am saying tonight by the leading of the Lord is that your dream is alive and you are going to achieve it. You will see that thing come to pass. It is not dead. You will see the dream, the calling, the anointing of God on your life start to come to life as you honor God. As you honor God. I want, I promise y'all we're not going through all these pages. I so promise. I just printed them. They're basically paperweights. But I want us to turn to Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. God is good. His plans are good. His purposes are good. You know, I was just praising the Lord the other day in the car, and I was just telling him how great he was. And as I was praising him, one of the things that came out of my spirit was, God, the thoughts that you think toward me are great. And I kind of stopped myself, because I didn't say it. The spirit on the inside of me said it. The thoughts that God thinks toward you are great. They're great. God thinks great things toward you. They're not negative. They're not bad. God doesn't sit up in heaven waiting to punish you. He's not sitting up there just waiting to give you a spanking and put you in a quarter and ground you and time out this and that. No, God thinks great things about you. He has a plan for you. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 through 27, it says, let your eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all of your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. So I've been thinking on this verse a lot recently um, over the past couple of months. And there's, there's another uh, verse in the New Testament that talks about um, when Jesus is talking, he says, whoever puts their hand to the plow and looks behind, they're not fit for the kingdom. So George and I took a concealed carry class yesterday. <laughs> Pastor Nicole's pretty excited. We took this concealed carry class. I've, I've touched a gun maybe twice, maybe. <laughs> I am not an expert with this at all. Ashley Melton, I don't know if she's watching, but she had seen that I put up on Instagram. She's like, you did great. I'm like, well, praise Jesus, because I didn't know any better. <laughs> but I go in, very minimal knowledge, and I know not to point it at myself, pretty much, or others. <laughs> and we go in and we get this basic training of this is how you handle your weapon this is how you clear it this is how you load a magazine this is all this stuff that I didn't know and we go out to the range I shoot happy day and as I'm as I was driving to um, to the restaurant today what the Lord spoke to me was about shooting 
You know, let's say that you have a weapon and you're aiming it. You have a target and you're aiming it. Like if I'm aiming at these doors and then all of a sudden I hear Pastor Nicole in the corner go pew pew and I look, my eyes are no longer at that door. I don't know if my hands moved or not. I don't know if I'm still aiming where I used to be. Let's say Justin caught my attention. And what? What? What'd you say? All of a sudden, I'm pointing at Natalie. I'm not aiming at that door anymore. I could look around. I could look at those balloons. Those are so pretty. I don't know. Kendall, I love, I'm so sorry, man. Kendall, it'd have been gone. When we take our eyes off of the target, we have no idea what we're shooting at. None. If we're not paying attention, if we're not fixing our eyes on the things that God has called us to do, they do not come to pass, and we may hurt someone in the process. You have been given a weapon with your life, a weapon against, against the enemy. God has empowered you. You are a weapon for the kingdom. You, yourself, you, you, you are a weapon against darkness. You carry the light of God inside of you wherever you go. And you have been empowered and anointed with the power, the full power of God in his kingdom. What are you doing with it? Are we aiming? Are we aiming? Are we fixed? Or are we just looking around? wandering aimlessly with this power of God inside of us, misfiring, 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 and shooting stuff that we have no business shooting. We have been called. We have been anointed. We have been empowered and entrusted. God has entrusted this life to us. You know, if George gives me his gun, which please don't yet, but if George were to give me his gun... He's entrusting that to me. His trust means that he has the full faith in me that I'm not going to just point in at Greg and pew pew. Like he believes that I'm going to use it for what it's called to be used for. But if I'm just going around shooting up the ceiling like Calamity Sam or whatnot, then he's probably not going to entrust more to me. Like, I'm not going to get a tomahawk after that. He's probably going to be like, okay, we're going to take this back. You get a Nerf gun for a while, and let's see how you do with that. God's called us. He's empowered us. He's anointed us. But it's up to us to prove to him that we can be entrusted with more, more, more more. We have to fix our eyes. I'm going to read it again. Let your eyes look right on. Let your eyelids look straight before you. It doesn't matter at all what somebody else's calling is. It doesn't matter at all what somebody else's decisions are. What matters is your decision. What matters is your calling. What matters is what you do with your life. It's none of my business what Deb does with her life. I can pray for her. I can love on her. I can be her sister in Christ. But if Deb goes off the deep end and just start, uh, um, stop there. If Deb goes off the deep end, it's not my job to worry and fret and freak out over her decisions. Oh, I don't know. Deb had this calling on her life, and I don't know if it's going to happen. And if Deb's not living for Jesus, then I don't know if I can live for Jesus anymore. And I just, did you see what she, did you see, or did you see what she did yesterday? Can you believe? Guys, I've been one of the biggest, biggest offenders of this. 
because we call it loving on people. We say that worrying is loving, and it's not. It's not. It's not. No matter what Deb does, my job is to keep my eyes fixed. Keep my eyes fixed. Don't look to the right. Don't look at what somebody else is doing. Don't look at what somebody else is doing. Don't think about what somebody else has done. Stay focused. Stay focused. Fixed ahead. Fixed ahead. Fixed ahead. Ponder the path of your feet. Keep the dream alive in front of you. God's given me dreams. Not all of them are things that need to be public, but they're still alive. Just because I don't stand up in front of everybody and ramble off all of these dreams that I believe the Lord's given me doesn't mean they're not alive to me. I need to keep them in front of me. Because let's say that God has called me to... Let's say that God has called me to open up a coffee shop. He hasn't. But let's say God told me to open up a coffee shop, and I know it. Oh, I need to open up this coffee shop. I have to open up this coffee shop. Well, Jadius, Jadius was talking about like being coming a professional basketball player. I think I could do that too, and I think that would be really fun. And we could do coffee shop later, but pro basketball, that sounds pretty awesome. If I don't keep it in front of me, if I don't think on it, if I don't meditate on it, if I don't take actions toward it, it's dead. It's dead. It's not going to happen. God doesn't just sit up in heaven and snap his fingers and say, Woo, magical life. Woo, magical life. Woo, everything you want, kablam. He gives us the power to see his dreams come to pass, but it's our job to partner with him to make it happen. He requires partnership. If my marriage to George was one-sided and I did all the work, all the work, I cooked everything, I cleaned everything, I don't, and I, yet, and I did every single part in our marriage and I talked to George and he never talked back and I gave to George and he never gave to me and I gave and I gave and I gave and I gave and I gave, and I gave. Pastor Nicole and Pastor Brian will be pulling us into a meeting pretty much immediately and making us sit down and talking about how that's unbalanced and it's not equal. Same in the reverse. If George was the one who was giving, 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 and I didn't give back, that's not equal. It's not equally yoked. It's unbalanced. For so long, I think so many of us have viewed God as this God who just gives for no reason and sits up in the heaven and decides, good life, bad life, good life, bad life, good life, bad life, good thing, bad thing, good thing, bad thing. And we don't take accountability of our actions. But it's time to step up. It's time to take some accountability for who we've been called to be. It's time. It's time. It's time. Hebrews 12. Pastor got me preaching in a brand new Bible. I do not have it broken in yet, so I'm clumping papers together. In Hebrews 12, chapter 1, or no, Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set behind us, to the side of us, off in the corner before us, before us, the race that is before us, 
Not Chad's race, not Abby's race, your race. Let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him condemned the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, here's the thing. Your race, your focus, no matter what your dream is, at the end of your dream is Jesus. The end of your dream is Jesus. If Jesus has given you a dream, the bottom line is that your dream gets you closer to him. That's it. If Becca's dream is to become the greatest worship leader of all, it's, the bottom line for her should not be to have man give her the utmost approval. It's that she, at the end of the day, is the closest to God that she has ever been. Our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus. Jesus, and that's it. Jesus, bottom line. Jesus, the end. Jesus is what our focus is. If my dream doesn't line up with Jesus, it's wrong, it's sin, bump it. You don't need it. If your dream does not line up with the word of God, then it's wrong. God will give you a new dream, a better dream. I couldn't have told you I would be in North Carolina. I had no clue this would happen. I was joking the other day with Pastor Nicole. One of my dreams had been to be like a PR person for like celebrities. I thought that would be fun. And now I think it's way more fun that I got to talk to Pastor Tracy on the telephone. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I geeked out a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was great. <laughs> but truthfully, my first dream was to get famous. I thought that would be fun. I thought it would be fun working with celebrities. I could care less about that now because my dream has changed because God has interjected himself in it. And it's not that it was wrong, the initial desire I had. It's that God can now use it for his glory to draw me closer to him. But if my eyes are not fixed on him, if I'm not focused on him and I'm focused over here, then I'm not going to go toward my target. I'm going to go where I'm looking. Where are you looking? Where are you looking? What are you focused? on what are you doing you can say I have a dream all day long and walk in the opposite direction of that dream I have a dream to live for Jesus I have a dream to live for Jesus and go do all of this ungodly sin because our actions aren't lining up with what we're speaking you can't have fixed eyes and go in a different direction if you're driving a car and you're driving down the road, and you're looking at where you're going to be going, you're going to be able to avoid accidents. You're going to be able to get to your destination. But if you're staring off left and right, you're texting on your phone, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'll, i got to get that Voxer message. Yeah, yep, I'm still going in the right direction. You have no clue what's in front of you. Even for a second, we're not called to be robots, but we're called to be passionate about the things of God. You flip back a chapter in Hebrews, and all of the faith, all of the great faith heroes, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jesus, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the prostitute Rahab, all of these people, Mary, Jesus, Elizabeth, all of these people were great men and women of faith. They believed what the Lord said. 
It doesn't say they were perfect, but they kept it in front of them. I think of the verse of Mary. When she heard all of these wonderful things being said about Jesus, she kept it in her heart. You know, when Mary's raising this precious baby, God's told her from the time that she conceived, hey, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the savior of the world. You're going to call him Jesus. She knew God had spoken this to her. But what if Mary had taken her eyes off of the target? What if she had let it go? And she had just raised him like he was any, any other child. What if she had chosen to forget what the Lord had said? And she didn't raise him the way that God wanted her to. And she just discarded it. And she heard these verses about the Messiah. And she's like, eh, I don't know who that is. And she just let it go. You know Mary prayed. You know, like there's, there's no way she didn't. She was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. She is not some heathen. She was, an anointed, she was a chosen, anointed woman of God. She prayed for him. She didn't let those things go. She treasured them. She kept them in her heart. She thought about them. She pondered about them. So when the time came for him to do a miracle, she knew that it would happen because she had spent time thinking about it, knowing who he was, knowing what the word said about him, knowing what the father had said about him. She knew that this was who her son was and she called him to do a miracle. She could stand at the cross watching her son be crucified knowing my son will be raised up because God said he's the savior of the world I don't know what this situation looks like I don't know how it's possible but God's gonna do it it's the same way that Abraham by faith was able to believe that he would have a son when he was a hundred years old do you know any hundred year old men that are having children I don't but Abraham believed by faith the word of God that was spoken to him. And he said, you know what? I believe this is going to happen. Did he take a wrong turn with Ishmael? Yup. But he still kept the promise alive in him. You know what? This was wrong. But I'm focused on you. I believe in you. I have faith in you. I may have missed it over here. I may have taken my eyes off of you. But Lord, I'm fixed. I'm fixed. I'm fixed, and because he was fixed, he was able to have Isaac, and he became the father of many generations, of many nations, by faith, by faith. I know some of you, the dreams that God has given you, because you've shared them with me, for some of you. I know a dream that God has given Abigail. It's not just going to happen by Abby wishing and hoping. It's not just going to happen by her saying, God told me this. <laughs> she doesn't do that. But if she were to do that and like, ha God told me this, great, super. I'm going to go babysit forever and become an au pair and only nanny forever and ever and ever because every baby ever loves me, which is accurate, they do. But if she just all of a sudden drops focus and does something because she likes it rather than what the word of God told her to do, that dream's not coming to pass until she lines right back up with the word of God. I think about, speaking of Abigail, I use her a lot in youth too. But speaking of Abby, there was a few years ago, Abby takes pictures, we've seen her do it, and she had started a photography business, right? Does your photography business, is that what the Lord's told you to do, like for your official profession forever? Mm-mm. It's not. God's told her something else. She made the decision at like 13, 14 years old, this is not officially what the Lord's told me to pursue. I'm not going to pursue it as hard as I was. 
I'll do it for fun. It'll be recreational, but this is not what God's told me, so this is not my focus. My focus is this, and I'm fixed. See, here's the thing. If a 13, 14-year-old kid can do it, we can do it. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. It doesn't matter if you've missed it. We've all missed it. All of us, every single person has sinned, has fallen short of the glory of God. Let's accept that. Great. We're not in a room of people who have been perfect. But we can be one with the one who is perfect. And because we're one with Jesus, we are then empowered to do everything that he's called us to do. To become every bit of the person that we're called to be. I can be every bit of the perfected woman of God the more I rest in him. The more I'm one with him. As I abide in him, he abides in me. And as he abides in me, he prunes, he cleans, he corrects, he makes it better. All of a sudden, my thoughts are not focused over here. They're more fixed. Is there areas that I still need to commit to the Lord? Yeah. All of y'all too. Woohoo! Let's just accept it. Because the quicker we accept that we're not perfect, the quicker that we can allow the perfected one to come into us and be strong where we're weak. We're not called to be perfect people on our own. We're called to partner with the perfect one. Let's flip over to 1 John chapter 3, I think. Chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. And I'm going to read it. My little children, let us love not in word, or yeah, in word and speech, but in action and truth. By this we know that we are the truth and shall reassure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows everything. If your heart condemns you, God's bigger. If your heart condemns you, God's bigger. If you've sinned, God's bigger. If you've missed it, God's bigger. If you've broken something, God can fix it. It doesn't matter. If your heart condemns you, God is bigger. Verse 21. If our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. We're going to get to verse 20, 22 because it's, it's one of my favorites. But it says, if our heart doesn't condemn us, then we can have confidence before God. We will have confidence before God. I think for so many of us, we know we need to keep our eyes on the target. We know what we're called to do. We know what we should do. And yet, I want to go hang out over here for a little bit, and I'll get back to you. But I'm going to go hang out over here. And we choose to walk away because we're tired. You know, we've given a lot. I know that this has been one of my, has been one of my things where I'll get home and sometimes I'll just crash and I don't want to do anything. I do not want to help George do the laundry. I do not want to help clean the house. I just want to chill and rest. I do not want to keep working. I want to hang out over here for a little bit. 
I'm not the only one. It's okay, you can be silent, but I'm not the only one that does this. <laughs> maybe it's little like that, or maybe it's truly something big. But any time that we're not fixed on God and we walk away, it's almost an immediate heart. You're, see, you know, you know, your conscience becomes a little bit seared. You know there's that conviction of, you're not supposed to be doing this. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You're, you're, over, you're in the wrong direction. What are you doing? Get it together. Come on. Let's shape up. Holy Spirit talks to y'all. Maybe it's just me that he's just that straight with, where he's like, get it fixed now. <laughs> Holy Spirit's pretty loud with me sometimes. He needs to be sometimes. <laughs> but we know, and here's the thing, until we realize that God loves us no matter if we've made an accidental walk away, if we've turned our focus, God loves us and God forgives. He forgives, he forgives, he forgives, he forgives. It's astounding how much God forgives. It truly is. But he forgives every time. There's not one sin that you can do that he's like, eh, that one I'm going to take a little bit to forgive you on. Well, think about that one. No, he forgives instantly, immediately, casting it as far as the east is from the west. But until we realize that God loves us, he's chosen us, we're his prize, we're his people, he loves and adores us, until we realize that, our heart tries to condemn us. The enemy tries to condemn us. Holly, you can't go to God the way you are right now. Are you serious? Girl? Jadius, I don't know why you think you're praying. Did you see what you did the other day? You can't pray yet. You have to do 20 Hail Marys. Run around in a circle, do some jumping jacks. You got to get yourself fixed. No. But that's so much the way our flesh tries to make it. We've got to get ourselves right before we can go to God. And that's so backwards. Because we can't get ourselves right until we go to God. We're never going to be right until we go to God. Ever. Period. But your heart tries to condemn you. Mm, LeVay messed up. Mm, Miley messed up. Mm, Kay messed up. You messed up. You messed up. You messed up. And until we rectify that condemnation, we're not going to be bold before God. We're not. I've, I'm sure I've missed it today. I'm sure I've missed it yesterday. I have a flesh. But I'm confident that my God will forgive me every time I miss it. He will. It's who he is. So once we get our heart right, knowing who God is, he's good. He's not the lightning rod God. He's the God who adores you, loves you, cherishes you. There's one verse in Psalms that says that you're the apple of his eye. I've heard that in so many songs that make it, makes it sound kitschy. But the apple of your eye, that's like your pupil. It's the, the part of God that you're focused on. If I'm looking at Jay, my pupil's not over on Paul. It can't be. I can't look at him and then somehow make my eye look somewhere else. You can't do it. The pupil is what you're focused on. Your eyes are fixed. It could maybe look like I'm looking at Holly right now, but I'm staring at Abigail and she knows it because she can see where my eyes fixed at. God's fixed on you. He's chosen you. 
He's chosen your family. He's chosen your marriage. He's chosen your relationships. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. He doesn't make a mistake. You're not a mistake. His love for you is not a mistake. You're loved. Deal with it. You're loved. Deal with it. You're never going to lose his love. Deal with it. You can't shake him. Dead listed off 10 things that can't separate you from the love of God. It's never gonna happen. He will not quit you. He won't. You're chosen by him. No matter what you do, you're chosen by him. You're chosen by him. You're chosen by him. Stop letting some stupid, shriveled-up enemy who got his butt kicked by Jesus try to convince you that you're not worthy. You are worthy because God said so. You're worth Jesus because God said so. The end. There's no argument. You can't come up and debate that. No, God says you're worth Jesus, so that means you're worth Jesus. Kendall may have a car that's worth $2. I'm sure he doesn't. But let's say Kendall has a car that's worth $2. I'm like, man, that's some cool car. I want to give you $10,000 for it because that's what I think it's worth. To Kendall, it may have only been worth $2. But to me, it was worth $10. You and who you are may not have been worth much to you. But to God, you were worth everything. You were worth his son. You were worth his love. You were worth every part of who he is. You're worth it. He determined that. And because he decided that you're worth it, he gave you a dream that's bigger than you. He gave you a dream that's bigger than your finances. He gave you a dream that's bigger than your abilities. But at the bottom line, it gets you closer to him. And that's what he wants. I don't know how many times it says through the word, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. You're my people, I'm your God. 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 That's the cry of God's heart. I want you to be my people. I want you to be my people, but I want to be your God. Stop being your own God. Stop it. Let him do it. Let him be who he is. Stop trying to figure it all out. Stop trying to do it in your own ability. Stop trying to fix yourself. Let God rectify the situation. He's the restorer, not Greg. He's the healer, not George. He is the great I am that I am, not Barrett. I can't do what God does. And the only way we're going to go to the finish line is if we submit to being his people and we allow him to be who he's called to be, and that's God. So once we allow him to be God, once we allow his love to come into us, to come into our spirits, to come into our hearts, and we know that God is love, and we know that he loves us, and that love is never changing, once we know that, this is such a cool verse. I'm going to go back to verse 21. If our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. Are you confident before God? Do you know, boomerang, do you know that God loves you? Do you? 
Let's try again. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know he's forgiven you? Do you know that you're his child? Are you confident in that? That nothing can separate you from him? Then let's go to verse 22. And whatever, whatever we ask, we will receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Because we're confident in the love that God has for us, because we're confident in who we're called to be, because we're confident that God is our God, when we boldly approach the throne of grace, we will have whatever we ask for, period, the end. Because when we're confident before God, it's because we know I'm doing a good job. I'm doing this well. There have been times where I have not been confident before pastors. And it's because I was messing up. And I had no desire to talk to them those times. They will testify to it. It's why they're laughing. No desire to talk to them. Hey, how you doing? We're just going to hang out right over here. So true. (laughs) Those are the times that we're not confident before God. Oh, I I done messed up. We're just going to keep on a step in. When we're confident, it's because we know we found favor in his sight. Because we're living correctly. We're living righteously. We're making good decisions. Did we slip? Maybe, but we got back up. We didn't grow weary in well-doing. We were on fire for God. And when we lost our fire, maybe, we got it back. We went and got prayed for. We sought out the elders. We submitted to our pastors. We lived the way that we could. And because we did this, we had this confidence. And we can come up before God. And we can ask for whatever we want and God will bring it to pass because what we ask for it lines up in the word We can have what we ask for When we're confident in who we are when we're confident in his love when our desires line up with him when we're fixed and we're in sight and we can see Jesus man, there's nothing like it boomerang 2019, we're not going to be going to the left or to the right. We're not going to be moving our eyes. We're not going to be tossed by every wind of doctrine. We're not going to be moved by the wind in the waves. We're not going to be Peters staring at the storm. We are going to have our eyes fixed on what's before us, and we will not be moved. We will be like oak trees planted by the rivers of God. We will be firm. We will be strong. We will see what God has for us, and we will reach it. We're not going to lose this year. We can't lose. We will achieve everything that God has brought to pass. Everything. Every word spoken. Everything. We're going to see it happen. Pastor Tracy said this morning in the video, the last 10 years have been tithed. Think of what we've tithed. Think of what we've tithed. We honored God with the first 10 years. We honored him. Was it always fun? Nope. Did it always feel good? Nope. Did some of it hurt? Yep. But God, we never grew weary. But God, we never grew weary. But God, we never grew weary. We pressed on. We pushed in. We kept going. We made it happen. There, I, I know for a fact there were naysayers standing outside our door saying, that's not going to last. Do you see how few people they have? It's not going to happen. Pastors are crazy. You are crazy for going there. Look at where we're poised to go. 
we are poised to go even further than what we know. Right now, we know we're going into cities this year. We are going to see thousands of souls come into the kingdom. That's not a question. That's a fact. That's truth. We know that the Connection Show is already reaching tons of people. We know that it's going to expand this year. We know that the youth is growing. It's going to get even bigger this year. We know that children's ministry is, has grown to the point that we need a whole other room to be able to contain them. We know that pastor, through live stream and through his connections with other pastors and other ministries, pastor reaches thousands and thousands of people every time that's on. Every time. We know all of these things. This is a huge vision right now. Impact. We have a Bible college. We have all this stuff the pastor talked about this morning. We're poised. We're not shrinking. We will never be as small as we were. We will never again be able to fit back into the box that we started with because our eyes stayed fixed on the dream. God gave them a dream. God gave our pastors a vision. He gave them a dream. Some of y'all have heard bits and pieces of it. It's not my place to share it. It's not my dream, but I'm partnered with it, and I'm submitted to it, and I will bring it come to pass because he's my shepherd. I'm submitted to the vision. I will see it come to pass. You will see your dreams come to pass. I've seen some of mine. When I moved here, I had a dream to be in full-time ministry. Who You should have heard me talk about it. I thought I was the end-all, be-all to Christianity, y'all. I thought I was so smart. I wasn't. I thought I knew so much. I didn't. And I sure wasn't submitted properly. I think I said it a couple nights ago in youth. Y'all don't even know how many times pastor would correct me and I would just sit there and cry. A lot. Not some, a lot for like at least a year, pastor says it's true. It is. It was bad. But I had a dream. All I wanted when I moved here was to be in full-time ministry. That's all I wanted. I wanted a great man of God. And I was trying to fix, trying to make it happen. But I stayed humble. It was not fun for pastors. It was not fun for pastors. It was one of those times where pastors probably had to, like, as soon as I left, Lord Jesus, this Barrett you gave us. Like, man, I, no doubt. <laughs> I was a special sheep, y'all. Deb and I have this picture. We went, to, um, we went to an art museum with Pastor Nicole a couple years ago, and we had this before and after picture. We found like the, these sheep toys, and I made my hair look all crazy, and I was the before sheep. Y'all, I was a rough before sheep. Like, I was. But I had a dream. I had a dream to do this. Praise God, Pastor didn't let me. <laughs> so serious. It would have been so bad. Because I wasn't ready. See, God gives you a dream. But it's not like he tells you a dream at five and expects you to go achieve it the next day. Pastor knew at the age of eight that he was called to be a pastor. He didn't start pastoring at eight and one day. It's not like he went out and was like, okay, kids, let's have ourselves a church here at school. You don't talk like that, but I was just trying to shrink myself down. 
But it's not like he was like, okay, I'm the pastor of my school today. Congratulations. He may have led Bible studies, but he didn't start pastoring. He didn't do that until the Lord said he was ready for it, and the Lord brought it to pass. But he gave himself to the dream. He gave himself to it. You've got to give yourself to the work. You've got to give yourself to the foundation. Pastor talks a lot, um, especially at Impact, but he talks a lot about foundations. And, you know, the foundation of Boomerang, for years, we were flat, flat, laying that foundation, flat. It didn't look all that fun. But once the foundation's laid, then the Lord can build upon it. Then God can build upon it. God can raise you higher. Think of it like Chick-fil-A that's being built here in town. Everybody knows Chick-fil-A's coming. How much fun would people think if that slab for that foundation was still being poured in two months? You'd have protesters. Oh, it would not be a good time. The youth would probably be the biggest protesters. They were already talking about wanting to be in the first 100 to get free Chick-fil-A, y'all. But the bigger the foundation is, the bigger the building can be. You know, the more you give yourself to the word, you give yourself to the word, keeping the dream alive, but the more you give yourself and the more you're planted and the more you're submitted, the bigger your dream can become, the bigger it can be. If pastor had let me just go as I was, I wouldn't be here, guaranteed. I'd have maybe stayed a year and then peace out. I'd be in another ministry somewhere doing something, not accomplishing what I'm called to accomplish because I wasn't trained. I needed to be trained. I needed to be pruned. I needed to grow up. Praise God for pastors who hear from the Lord. Praise God. It's not a little thing. Giving yourself to the word, giving yourself to his truth, giving yourself to your shepherds, to the Lord, it's everything. It's everything. You can't achieve what you're called to achieve outside of God's order. Your dream, it won't last outside of God's order. It doesn't. Because if it's outside of God, then it can be toppled by the world. But if you're planted in God and you're submitted to him, and you're submitted to his ways, and one of his ways is being submitted to your shepherds, who, what God can do with you, how far God can take you. Boomerang is not little. I don't care what number you see here tonight. I don't care how many more you think should be here. There should be plenty more here, guaranteed. But it doesn't matter what we see right now. The truth is we're poised. The truth is our dreams are ready to happen. The truth is that we will see a winter harvest. The truth is you will see a winter harvest personally, not just corporately, personally. You will see the Lord move in your life because here's the thing. Every person in this room has given themselves to the word. Every person in this room has been humble. Every person in this room has, is submitted to pastors. Everybody. If you're planted and you're submitted, then God can only take you up. He will not take you back. He will only take you up. Increase after increase after increase. Glory to glory to glory to glory. Victory to victory to victory to victory. It's not victory, I lose one. Victory, I lose one. It's not a nail-biter, head-scratcher kind of a race. It's you win. The end. You win. Every time, it's like a fixed race. You can place money on it. I'm going to win this time. I'm going to win this time. I'm going to win the next time. And the time after that, I will see victory in my life again and again and again and again and again because I'm partnered with God and he doesn't lose. You're not a loser. 
you win every time. That's it. That's who you are. Amen?